welcome back to episode number four of Tron Shop. My name is Ruhi and I'm joined by Leanne. Hi everyone. And today we have with us Alessandro Garelli from the EIF. Hi Alessandro. Hi everyone. Uh, thank you for having me and thanks to all people who are listening to this podcast. It's a, it's a pleasure for me to be with you today. Yeah. Thanks very much. And very happy to have you here. So, Alessandro, very quickly on what you do. Uh, now, you are a legal counsel at the EIF, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm a senior legal counsel at EIF, so uh, working in the legal division led by Philippe Doran. And uh, we are in charge of the debt products at EIF, such as uh, securitizations, portfolio guarantees, EU and regional mandates, and some loan business. And geographically, we basically operate across all member states of the EU. How long have you been at the EIF? I mean, I joined the EIF uh, uh, actually uh, three years ago, but I was before working for uh, EIB as a consultant. So it, I can say it's uh, more than four years that I'm working with EU institutions. That's really interesting, right? Because I suppose it gives you an insight on what the EIB and the EIF do. And Alessandro, I'm sure many of our listeners will, will know exactly what the EIF does, but just in case anyone is unfamiliar, would you mind just quickly explaining to, to our listeners what the EIF does and, and perhaps what its mission is? Yeah, yeah, I'll try to be brief here. Our commission is to support small and medium-sized enterprises by helping them to access finance. In fact, the EIF motto is uh, believe in small, and we strongly believe SMEs are the heart of European economy. In other words, uh, we are a specialist provider of risk finance to the benefit of SMEs across the continent. And I'd like to mention that so far, more than 1 million of SMEs across Europe have benefited from enhanced access to finance through financial instruments managed by EIF. EIF carries out its activities using either all resources or resources provided under mandates. Typically, our mandators can be the European Commission, the EIB, as well as EU member states, local authorities, and other third parties. In doing its business, EIF is called to play a key role in supporting the EU policy objectives, notably in the field of competitiveness and growth, innovation, social impact, skills and human capital, as well as sustainability and green transformation, which is becoming preeminent for the EIB group uh, as uh, the EU Climate Bank. Uh, moving on to our business, our business uh, is mainly divided in two different lines, uh, equity products and debt products. Uh, our equity investments uh, are um, aimed to improve uh, the availability of risk capital for high growth and innovative SMEs. We typically invest in venture capital and growth funds that support uh, these SMEs. And in addition, our investments can also um, cover business incubators. While the debt products target debt requirements of SMEs, in this case, uh, by operating through an intermediated business, we typically provide credit enhancement uh, to banks, financial intermediaries, leasing companies, and microfinance institutions, and improve their lending capacity in favor of SMEs. And I suspect this is actually what we're going to talk about today. 
that's really helpful. Thank you. Really good summary and, and absolutely love the motto. That's really nice. Um, so, look, obviously the EIF is a, a big player in this market and, and a very important player. How in practice does the EIF actually decide if it's going to invest in one of these types of transactions? So what governs that decision from your perspective? Yeah, EIF is definitely a big player in the synthetic securitization business. Only during uh, the last year, we've done around 15 non-balance sheet transactions across all Europe for an amount of about 2 billion euro in aggregate. So it's, uh, uh, it's uh, indeed a, a big player. EIF decision to invest in a synthetic securitization is driven by different factors. Indeed, one of the most important elements for EIF is the capacity of our counterparty to originate a new portfolio in line with our policy objectives. It's worth mentioning that our synthetic segregation always have a sort of two-leg structure. In one hand, we have the on-balance sheet securitization of an existing portfolio, and this is a typical SRT uh, transaction at market terms. While on the other hand, we, or EIB, depending if it's a fronted or own risk uh, transaction, we require our counterparties uh, to use free, the freed up capital in order to originate a new portfolio following certain criteria. In any synthetic transaction, we always achieve an enhanced access to liquidity and an increase of available finance for SMEs, tackling financing gaps. By doing this, SMEs will be able to continue their growth and development in the medium to long term. Typically, we apply a multiplier, meaning we require the new portfolio to be X number of times the amount of the freed up regulatory capital. And these can also depend on mandate requirements. Just to mention, uh, I've seen products with six, eight, even 10 as a multiplier. And this is uh, really impactful, as you can imagine. In addition, for instance, in case of regional mandates where there could be an aid, the terms of financing offered to SMEs shall be at better conditions than those applied at market standard terms. However, it's not always easy to achieve such catalytic effect, and therefore we need counterparties with a certain origination capacity and a solid network. In addition to this multiplier element, we pursue other policy objectives, as mentioned before. This period, what is becoming uh, uh, very important for us uh, as part of the AB group is the green component. Our climate action follows the EU taxonomy and under EU taxonomy, you can be green in many ways. Uh, just to mention, we look at transactions that support SMEs focused on renewable energy, energy efficiency, sustainable transport, sustainable infrastructures, as well as uh, environmental services. Given the nature of our business, we typically look at green component at the level of the new additional portfolio to be originated. And by doing this, we push our counterparties towards a greener financing. Let me say that given the current situation, I think transition towards green and alternative sorts of energy is becoming even more crucial. We could spend literally hours talking about green financing and EU taxonomy. However, what's really important to us is the respect of the EU requirements for green investment, uh, as we don't want to support greenwashing indeed. Thanks, Alessandro. That's obviously a really, really important point and close to all of our listeners' hearts, I'm sure. Yeah, all very topical. And 
the fact that you mentioned the multiplier or leverage is also quite interesting because we had a conference yesterday on synthetics where this was debated quite a bit. Um, so I suppose then the question is, you've made the investment decision. What happens next? Now, obviously, there's a lot that you consider when constructing your profile, the portfolio, et cetera. What goes on in the background? Yeah, yeah, that's a very, very good question and, and, and interesting one. Uh, the structuring of a synthetic transaction is really a crucial moment, as you can imagine. In fact, uh, there are various factors to be taken into account in order to make an SRT transaction working and being satisfactory for both the protection buyer and the protection seller. Our risk and investment officers typically make a due diligence on the portfolio we typically look at uh, certain risk elements such as probability of default of the loans, expected losses, granularity of the portfolio, weight average life of the loans, as well as, and this is important of course, uh, the regulatory capital consumption for the protection buyer. Then we run our modeling and look at attachment and detachment points, cost of protection and other structuring elements. So in other words, the goal is to find the right balance in terms of risk and therefore cost of protection, as well as the consequent capital relief for the protection buyer. In, addi in addition to this, uh, there could be mandate-driven further elements to be taken into account. In fact, if we operate under a given mandate, there could be additional eligibility criteria to be considered at the portfolio level. Just to make an example, uh, we can require the portfolio to be originated only in a given area or a reference or at reference obligation level. For instance, we can include only certain type of uh, loans like only loans to SMEs and mid caps, uh, but there could be many others requirements. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I think um, when we as lawyers look at the EIF documentation, uh, that's on a template format, right? That's more standardized. So I don't think we always quite appreciate what goes on in the background, but that seems to be quite, quite a bit that's done on the structuring side. So Alessandro, I suppose then the next question is, EIF, as, as Leanne said, EIF is a big player in the market uh, on the investor side. What sets the EIF apart from other investors in the market? First of all, what makes EIF a different player in the market is its status. We benefit from our multilateral development bank status, which according to Article 170 of CRR, enables our counterparties to apply a zero percentage risk weighting to the assets we guarantee. In light of this, we are broadly recognized as Europe's leading provider of a AAA rated credit enhancement in SMEs securitizations. The AIF protection is typically sold in the form of a financial guarantee provided to originator of the reference portfolio. Although we have done some uh, synthetic transactions by means of credit derivative instruments and CLN. Normally in our synthetic, uh, we cover mezzanine tranches. However, recently with the adoption of the EGF mandate, we opened to junior tranche cover. The documentation governing our synthetic transaction is market standard. Maybe I, I can say that we are actually sort of market makers when it comes to the asset, uh, uh, with, when it comes to the SME's asset class. Uh, 
We have also recently developed uh, an STS compliant synthetic securitization set of provisions, and we have already closed a couple of transactions that obtained STS label, and we will do more in the future. Of course, there are peculiarities given to our nature as EU financial institutions. As mentioned before, what is key for us is to enhance access to finance for SMEs and the policy angle. In addition, we may apply specific mandate requirements that are imposed by our mandators, typically with the aim to pursue policy objectives. Is that right? Is it going to be super busy this year? Well, I see a very busy 2022 for our synthetic business. Uh, we are currently developing together with EIB the resources of the Pan-European Guarantee Fund dedicated to the securitization business. The so-called DGF forms part of the overall package of measures agreed in 2020 by the EU institutions in response to the economic impact of the COVID pandemic. The objective is to ensure that companies in the member states have sufficient short-term liquidity available to weather the crisis and are able to continue their growth and development in the medium to long term. So this securitization instrument aims to improve access to finance to SMEs through capital relief and loss protection for existing portfolios of the financial intermediaries. And as said before, EIF will also cover junior tranches under this instrument. Just to mention, we have already closed some synthetic transactions under EGF last year, and we plan to close more than 10 other transactions by the end of this first semester. So I think, uh, yeah, it's pretty busy. So Alessandro, you would have heard on our previous podcast that we really like to round off each episode with a personal question so that we can get to know the Alessandro behind the EIF. So tell us, what are your hobbies outside of that day job? What do you like to do when you're not busy with the EIF? Yeah, th th thanks for the question. I have a lot of hobbies actually, but uh, if I have to choose one, I would say sailing. Oh, not, really the not really the activity that uh, we uh, typically do in Luxembourg, but uh, yeah, indeed, I love sailing and my dream is actually to make a long trip and sail around the world at some point. Lovely. Well, it's, a, it's a very nice dream to have. Oh, well, do keep us in mind if you ever do that world tour. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for your time, Alessandro. Um, you've been absolutely fantastic and I'm sure everyone knows a little bit more about the EIF thanks to you. On that note, I think that would be it for this episode. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new one. Until then, keep happy and keep tranching. Bye everyone.